The views and opinions expressed by the guests on this podcast are that of their own. In no way, shape, or form do they reflect the official policy or position of the Bottom Dwellers Dive Shack. You've descended into the Bottom Dwellers Dive Shack. The commercial diving podcast by working divers for divers. Episode number nine. Same, same, but different. Navy diving with Nelson. In this episode, we speak with Nelson Welker, a former active duty Navy diver who is now diving commercially. He talks about how he became a Navy diver, the ins and outs of diving with the Navy, and also talks about some of the stigma associated with being a Navy diver in the commercial industry. Make sure you stay up to date with the latest Bottom Dwellers Dive Shack news at thebottomdwellers.com. This episode is brought to you by 15 Fathoms, deep sea apparel for divers, surfers, spearfishers, and all lovers of the ocean. So turn up those comms, stand by, we're going to make it hot. Anyways, man, thanks for jumping on. This is great. Uh, I contacted you because uh, you have a background in, as, as a Navy diver. Right. So a lot of times, you know, we've worked with some that aren't used to the commercial world. Now, given there are a handful that uh, that I've worked with that are pretty darn good, you know. Sure. But, uh, but they definitely get a bad rap. And Nelson's here to clear up that bad rap, right? <laughs> <laughs> Do my best. All right. But yeah, let's get a little bit of background on you, man. Uh, so you turn 18, you, do you just join the military right then and there or, or is, no, is, is there a process? No, I turned 18, um, went off to college for a couple years. Um, I'm from Illinois. I uh, went to college up in uh, actually the upper peninsula of Michigan. And I did that for a couple years, um, kind of jumped around from major to major, had no idea what I wanted to do. So I, uh, that's when I enlisted and, um, I enlisted as a diver and, um, got going with that. Um, my first duty station was out in Washington state, um, at the, the shipyard out there. So I was doing uh, repair work and maintenance work on, um, Trident class submarines. So that was my first station. I did that for three years. And then I, uh, I transferred to Groton, Connecticut, um, and I did three years there as a instructor for the Naval Submarine School. Uh, they have a they have a pressurized submarine escape training mock up. So uh, we were me and, and the rest of the guys there. We were uh, instructing future submariners on how to appropriately escape a, a disabled submarine uh, in this pressurized training tank that we had. So that was pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So, yeah. so is it that tank that they kind of lower in the water upside down and then you have to try to escape from it? Or am I thinking of something? Uh, you're thinking of the, um, they've got a helicopter escape trainer. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> they were doing, um, there's a helicopter escape trainer. Um, but the one I was doing, um, work at was a submarine escape trainer. So it's a 45 foot column of water. And, uh, on the bottom level, there's a, a chamber essentially that the student goes into, they're wearing a special suit. 
the soup pressurizes, the chamber fills up with water. And then once, once it reaches the equal um, pressure as the depth of the bottom of the tank, a hatch opens up and then they go shooting through the water column up to the surface. Oh, wow. So have you, did, did, did you have any close calls with some other people that have done that training? Um, in the, let's see, in 2000, I'm trying to think how many years it's been open. It opened in 2009 and they've only had one, uh, arterial gas embolism. And, uh, the student was totally fine. Um, they have a, they've got three, three different chambers, uh, in the building, uh, to treat any, any injury or anything like that. So the student was totally fine. Um, but that was the only, you know, near mishap that we've ever had. Um, luckily, cause it is, I mean, it is fairly high risk. You're taking, you know, these kids right off the street, they don't know anything about, you know, they barely know how to tie their own shoes and you're telling them, you know, follow the escape from a tube 45 feet. Down. Yeah. Don't yeah, do these things the way I tell you to do and you won't die. And then you're thinking like, Oh God, I hope, I hope they don't mess this up. <laughs> Man, that's crazy. That sounds really cool, though. You know, um, it was so, pretty so, not, not a lot of people have uh, have even heard of something like that. So to be able to to be a part of it, uh, it was pretty cool. Nice. So you went through the Navy dive school and everything. You you were a legit Navy diver, um, correct? Because there's different types of Navy diver. Let's let's talk about that real quick, right? <laughs> there's there's some that that are submarine guys that just do like the submarine checkout stuff, yep. you know. Um, there's EOD guys and, and you mind giving me the rundown? <clears throat> yeah, no problem. So, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. There's, there's different, um, qualifications that you can get as, uh, as a Navy diver. So the first one you mentioned, um, the guys on submarines, they get, they go to a five week course at the Navy diving uh, training center in Panama city beach, Florida, and they only do scuba diving. So they learn everything to know about scuba diving. Um, they're stationed on submarines. And so their, their primary um, role with diving is to inspect the submarine for, you know, make sure everything's good to go both when they pull into a port and then when they leave a port. And then you have, um, like you mentioned, the EOD divers. So um, their primary role is EOD, explosive ordnance disposal. Um, but they do go through a, uh, a dive phase in their training. Um, so they'll do scuba, uh, and then they also do, um, rebreather training. So it's a, it's a special electronic rebreather, uh, has low magnetic frequency. Um, and so they, they go through a whole course on that. And then the real Navy diver goes through, um, second class dive school where you guys call it a uh, two chuck. And it's um, between five and six months, depending on, you know, holidays and, and how your training schedule uh, ends up being. But um, you'll do a scuba session or scuba phase, um, and then you'll do uh, a rebreather phase, and then you'll do a surface supplied, the Navy calls it. Um, so you'll, you'll do a, a full face mask. And, um, the Navy only dives the, the KM 37 hard hat. So you'll, you learn everything there's to know about that. Um, and then they hit different, um, brief familiarizations on different facets of diving. So you'll do, uh, you'll do a little bit of, um, salvage. Um, you know, they, I know a lot of commercial schools have, have a salvage project. <clears throat> so the, the Navy has their own salvage project that you do on site. 
they have a, a ship's husbandry uh, training facility where they have these big mock-ups of different parts of ships and you learn how to rig different um, pieces of equipment into place and use different hydraulic tools. And then uh, I'm similar to, to your standard commercial dive school. We'll do cutting and welding, hydraulic tools. Um, we have a whole course on medicine, physics, hat maintenance, you name it. So you pretty much go through everything that commercial school teaches, plus you get a little bit more time, I guess, with, with the equipment and tools. Uh, how, how big are these classes? You know, I know some of the commercial dive classes are pretty big. Yeah. So the, a lot of guys think that, you know, they'll say the attrition rate is, let's say 40%. Um, the Navy actually has built into their program. They found that they were having a lot of students fail out once they actually got to the dive program, they'd go through boot camp, and then they were sending them straight to this program. And they were having, um, it was costing them a lot of money to send kids down there, have them fail. And then, you know, they have to reorganize this group of, of students that don't have jobs and they're still in the Navy. So they instituted this preparatory course. Um, that's about three to four weeks in, um, Great Lakes, Illinois, just North of Chicago. And, um, that's where the majority of the, you know, the weeding out will say happens. So for example, my class, we started with about 30 students. Uh, we went down to Panama city beach with, I think 12. And then, uh, we had one, one student got rolled into the, the other class for, um, medical issue. Um, but everybody graduated. So, you know, from 30 down to 12, so they're, they're fairly close, you know, close knit. And, um, obviously I've never been to commercial dive school, but I mean, you're with these guys for the better part of a year, you know, you're living with them, you're going to school, you're working out, you're, you know, having lunch, breakfast, lunch, and dinner with them. You're going out on the weekend. So, you know, and then a lot of times you actually get stationed with these people too. So you get to know, you get to know them pretty well. Um, the community in general is fairly small. Also it's, you know, but anywhere from 2,500 to 3,000 active duty Navy divers at a time. So it's, it's fairly close knit. If somebody drops a name and you don't know them, I mean, the degree of separation is extremely small. It's pretty cool, man. It must feel great to have that kind of, you know, close knit community. Cause, um, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't easy. You said you lost about a little bit over half what you initially right. started with, you know, now the way the commercial dive schools work, they'll take your money and then they'll find a way to push you through. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. They'll figure it out because they don't want to give back that money. So when money's not involved, you definitely, uh, you're able to, to kind of, kind of work a little bit harder, push a little bit harder because, you know, it's not going to cost you any to, to kind of kick somebody out. So I mean, not kick somebody out, but, you know, just move them to a different, a uh, different spot, you know? So yeah. that original half that you had, um, those guys had signed up in the Navy to be divers or, or how, how does this all work? Do they get invited to dive school? Do they decide to be divers once they get into the Navy? Well, the first thing they originally, the, the dive. So in the Navy, your, your job is referred to as your rate. And I know a lot of other uh, military branches will call it your MOS. Um, but in the Navy, they call it a rate. So um, the Navy developed a diver as its own rate in 2006 and so before that, every Navy diver had diving was their secondary job. They had a, they had a different job beforehand. Um, so in 2006, they started um, bringing in 
dive candidates um, who had what they call a contract. So when you sign up um, to be in the Navy, you pick your rate, you pick what job you want to do. So these students were, or these, these candidates were then eligible to pick, you know, um, diver as their initial, their initial rate. So there was a period of time um, where they had um, sailors who were joining the Navy, who were going to be, go through the diver program. And then uh, at, you could also already have a different rate in the Navy and through a whole bunch of paperwork and interviews and, you know, begging and pleading, you could um, petition for, for, for an opportunity to go to dive school. So you didn't, didn't necessarily have to sign up that way, but the Navy's moving towards that route where if, if you're going to be a diver, you need to sign up at the get-go as, as being a diver. Okay. Cause I know certain branches, uh, I had a buddy of mine that he, um, he was a commercial diver first. He went through commercial dive school. Then he joined the army cause he wanted to be an army diver. Mm-hmm. Army didn't send him to dive school <laughs> until he had like two years worth of service or something right, like that right. done. And then, uh, that turned into like three. And then at the time, you know, by the time uh, he was already ready to get out, you know, um, they said, okay, we'll send you to dive school, but you have to, you know, stay with us for another couple of years. Is that, you know, kind of something? Um, I have heard about that. Um, and that's kind of what the deal was with a lot of the, you know, we call them fleet returnees, guys that guys that had different jobs beforehand and then, and then opted to go to dive school later. Um, it's like, we, the phrase in the Navy is uh, needs of the Navy. So, you know, it doesn't matter what your plans are, it, whatever, whatever the Navy has to, you know, whatever their goal is, that's what's going to happen. So, you know, if you could meet all the requirements, you could do all your paperwork correctly, you know, cross your T's, dot your I's. But at the end of the day, they could look at your paperwork and say, well, we just don't need somebody right now. You know, you're going to have to wait. And then uh, once you do get accepted, you have to... Um, you have to obligate additional service. They're not going to spend however much money it costs to train you just to have you, let's say you have a year left on your, on your enlistment, you know, they're not going to put all this money into you and then you do one year and then head out the door. So you have to do uh, a minimum of six years on completion of your initial dive school. Okay. So I got this other question for you. I don't know if you'd be able to answer it, but it's along the same lines. Um, When it gets slow in the industry, a lot of us, you know, start looking for different jobs and different, you know, spots uh-huh. here and there. You probably know where I'm going with this, but you see the ads on Indeed saying be a Navy commercial diver or a CB diver or whatever branch is looking for divers. Are those just lies to get you in there? Or yes, no. can you really go in day one and, you know, start diving with a commercial diver? Uh, the short answer is no, you can't. I- you can't just walk in the door and start diving. Um, it's definitely some uh, some carefully worded advertising to get you know starry eyed eighteen year olds in the door who are looking for adventure and wild times. Um, there's there's a pretty strict set of requirements to even be eligible to go to dive school. You know, never mind passing, but you know, you physically, I mean, you can't be colorblind. You have to, um, you know, if you wear glasses or contacts, it has to be a certain um, prescription. Um, you, you have to pass a physical fitness test uh, several times. And, um, and then there's the, the actual um, 
security clearance, you're required to get a security clearance um, to be a diver because of the different types of work that you could potentially do. Um, you have to be eligible for, for a government security clearance. So, you know, let's say Joe Schmo off the street sees this ad on, on Indeed and wants to, wants to give it a go. Yeah. You walk into your local recruiter, they're going to, they're going to tell you whatever, whatever they think you want to hear to, to get you to sign that, that line. But, um, especially for the young guys coming out of dive school that, you know, for some of them, it's hard to find a job, you know, sure. they might look at that as an option. Hey, you know, I'm 18, 19, just got out of dive school, can't find a job. Yeah. Maybe I should uh, jump into the military, well, you know? So you're saying, you're, you're saying that they could do that, but there's a chance that they're going to be like, uh, sorry, we don't need divers. I, I, I know you signed up to be a diver, but you're in now and we really need right. something and, else. And I actually have a couple and buddies kind of screwed. who uh, were prior commercial divers, um, you know, in the private industry. One of them uh, went to CDA, another one went to DIT. And um, for whatever reason, you know, like you mentioned, work got slow, times got tight. So they went and enlisted and, and you're starting at, at ground zero. They don't care what you know. They don't care where you've been, what you've seen. You know, you're as, as worthless as the guy next to you in their opinion. So if, if that is a route that, that you do choose to take, um, you have to be prepared to put some work in and, and, uh, start from the bottom. But you know, the, the flip side of that is, you know, every two weeks you're getting a paycheck. You know, you don't have to worry about like, oh man, is my supervisor going to call me? Do I have a job next week? Is the weather going to push it off? I mean, there's, there's something to be said for it for sure, but it's, it's, it's a very different animal. The, the Navy diving world versus the commercial diving world. And I've learned that firsthand. So, um, do those commercial guys that do sign up and enlist, do they have to, or are they going to send them through Navy dive school if everything works yes. out? So they still have to do Navy yes. school. Um, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And it actually, so when I got out of, uh, when I got off active duty, I took a job diving, uh, at the Puget Sound Naval Shipyard. Uh, I worked there for a year diving and, um, the Puget Sound Naval Shipyard specifically only employs civilian divers. They have detachments around the area that are, are manned by active duty components, but in the shipyard itself, it's only civilian divers and they send their divers to Navy dive school. So, uh, I met a guy there working in the yard. He had gone to DIT, got out, couldn't find a job. So he started working at the shipyard and he'd start hanging around the dive locker, you know, trying to get, you know, come, come work for us. And they told him, well, you, yeah, that's, you can give it a shot, but you got to go back to Navy dive school. So any diving in the department of defense, you know, besides being a contractor on base, of course, but if you're diving for the Navy or the department of defense, they're going to send you back through Navy dive school. Yeah, I, I did know a couple of uh, engineers that worked for NAVFAC and they ended up uh, sending them right. to Navy dive school. Yeah. I think one of them was the first uh, civilian female to go through Navy dive school, which is pretty yeah. cool. Um, so, hold on, sorry about that. Broke up a little bit. I'm in the, my back room, so the uh, internet's a little oh, you're good. All right. Uh, what kind of beer are you drinking over there? I've got... You got? Butterfly flash mob. <laughs> Butterfly flash. That's mob. an IPA nice. from Solomoth Brewing in Naperville, Illinois. <laughs> nice local, local Illinois yeah, beer. Huh? Yeah. 
I got nothing. Got nothing fancy today. I got the old trusted Miller Lite. I saw your koozie though. Yeah, got a got a fathom ballast point koozie. I got two in koozies. I got a Raiders koozie and a uh, a fathom IPA ballast point koozie. It's Sunday, so I gotta take it easy. I gotta work. Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) I had a pretty heavy one last night. I think I. Gosh darn it! It was a it was a it was a stout that was about a it's like thirteen percent. Oh, it was crazy. I was pouring it. And I'm like, you know, I shared it with my wife, and I'm like, honey, this looks like tar coming out the bottle. <laughs> that's, you know? thick. that's that's what you know. It's good. It looks like motor oil coming yeah, out of the yeah. bottle. You know, it's one of those uh, one of those crazy stouts that have been aged for however long, and you know, anyhow, it tasted okay the first couple sips, but after the first couple sips and it starts to turn into you know yeah like yeah milk. so and it's one of those pricey beers so kind of forced to drink it yeah you feel yeah. bad pouring that out <laughs> no yeah there's no way i'd pour that out oh man but yeah so dude uh yeah I, I wanted to talk to talk to you a little bit about your beginnings a little bit questions you know some of the guys might have about navy sure. dive school and stuff and you know uh so everyone that goes through the navy dive school even the uh like the 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 checkout guys, the sub checkout guys, the EOD mm-hmm. guys and stuff like that. Um do they get like a same navy dive card or is that different like classification? Uh, it's different. So the I have no idea what the scuba divers uh get. I'm assuming they they might be able to turn their qual their certificate into like a PADI cert. Um mm-hmm. same with EOD guys. Um the second class divers, uh the Navy divers um, we get a di- entry level diver tender ADCI card out of it. Um, so in theory, I suppose, you know, you could show up at <laughs> show up. Somewhere. I know I've, I've worked with a couple submarine guys and EOD guys before that had their ADCI card and they used their, uh, their, their Navy quals to, uh, to get the ADCI yeah. card, you know? Um, and a lot of times those guys, you know, the, the good ones that good attitude, you know, they're up front with you. So, yeah, you know, I, I didn't do any surface supply and they're up front with you. But it's the ones that aren't up front with you that I'm sure give a give you Navy divers a bad name. You know, yeah. let's uh, let's talk about that a little yeah. bit, you know. So you've got different Navy divers, though, right? You got salvage divers, deep sea guys, or is that all the same? Well, so the, 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 same? Yeah, the blanket, the blanket um, qualification is Navy diver. Um, within that, you go to different types of commands. So. So I was at a, a ship's husbandry and then I was at a training command. Hold on a second. I would kick these, these dogs out. What? Go. All right. Sorry about that. Um, so you got, I was at ship's husbandry training. You've got salvage divers. Um, they deploy on, on salvage vessels and they do, um, I guess you'd call it a, a deployment. Um, it's obviously non-combat. They're just on call. If there's any, any asset that needs to be recovered. Um, Navy divers do deploy with, uh, EOD and SEAL teams. Um, they're essentially their maintenance personnel and the subject matter expert, as far as the diving portion of, of anything they would do. Um, but a, a qualified Navy diver, a graduate of second class dive school is eligible to go to any of those kinds of commands. So just because a guy, you know, shows up on the job site in the private sector and says, oh, yeah, I was a Navy diver, you know, 
he might have he might have sat at the bottom of a 12-foot pool on a hookah rig, you know, with a, a full face mask for an hour to two hours a day. Or, you know, he might have done he might have done maintenance on scuba equipment for the, you know, an EOD shop for three years. So, I mean, you have that qualification and, uh, there's a lot of on the, on the job training and opportunity that, you know, if, if you're the right kind of mindset and you can, if you can learn quick, I suppose you could make it work, but yeah, just because you've, you've graduated Navy dive school, you, you might not have ever touched uh, a Kirby Morgan or, or any surface applied system for that matter. And, your entire career. So being a, being, being like a close knit community, you guys kind of keep track of everybody. Um, we're talking specifically with the guys that knew that you knew, how many of those guys ended up going into the commercial world? None. <laughs> oh, so you're the only as one. As far as I know, there may be others. Um, and, and i there's one, one detail I forgot to mention. So the Navy has a, uh, a, a construction, unit or, or community called the CBs. Yeah. I I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Their, their, their primary mission is building, um, different sort of infrastructure in, in combat zones and things like that. And they do have, um, an underwater construction team, um, which would be probably the, the, the closest thing to, you know, commercial diving that, that the Navy has, you know, the, the most relatable thing. Um, but yeah, the, uh, that, that would probably be about, you know, the, the closest equivalent. So you guys don't really do a whole lot of inland stuff. A lot of your stuff that you were doing was mostly like a ship husbandry side, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, in fact, the, one of the only inland projects that I know of, and I'm, I'm sure there's others, but, um, there is a salvage command on the East coast. Uh, based out of Little Creek, Virginia, Mobile Diving Salvage Unit 2. Um, back several years ago, when the I-35 bridge collapsed in Minneapolis, the Department of Defense sent that unit to Minneapolis to help salvage some of the wreckage and debris. Um, but as far as I know, that's probably one of the only um, you know, inland jobs that, uh, that I've heard, heard of the Navy doing. Um, and as a lot of times when guys get out, they either they either they love it and they stay in for their 20 years and they retire or they get out and they, you know, they're like, I'm never touching another piece of dive equipment ever again. I'm you know, I'm I'm done with this. I did my thing. I'm I'm going to try something else now. So do do you think that's kind of I mean, that's got to be a part of it, too, is that, you know, a lot of the Navy divers that are coming out, they're not really experienced in the construction work that we're doing, unless they were CB guys or arms. Exactly. Guys. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, um, yeah, they, it's a, it's a very specific type of diving and, and from Navy diving to commercial diving is, you know, I'm not going to say one's safer than another. They both have the regulations and their, their checks and, and everything, but, um, yeah, you, you roll out on a, on a commercial site and there's four guys in the system and two hats and, you know, the, the, the mindset is, you know, get in the water, get it done. You know, we're making money when we're diving, you know, in the Navy, it, you know, you're sitting on a bench and you got your harness on and then the tender comes over with your, your umbilical and he shackles it into your harness for you. And, 
he puts the hat on your head for you and you don't stand up until somebody tells you to, you don't jump in the water till somebody tells you to, I mean, it's, and the communication is constant, you know, it's, you're constantly telling them that you're okay and that everything's fine. <laughs> Whereas in the you know commercial world, that's something I had to learn. You know, I'm, I'm like talking through the job as I'm doing it. And my supervisor comes over the comms and he's like, shut up, man. Like, unless you've got a problem or you need a tool, I don't care what you have to say. So I'm like, okay, yeah, got it. I'll work. That's too funny. Yeah. I had one guy that I was working with, a cool, cool guy. I, I, I want to try to have, have him on the show too. But uh, I remember one of the first couple of jobs that I worked with him, you know, everything he, he would repeat everything with an <laughs> yeah. eye. It's like five feet of slack yeah. eye. <laughs> I'm like, what the? <laughs> Thought it was funny. But you know what though? It, it also taught me to stay on top of, you know, stuff like that. Communication is very important. And uh, it is very important to repeat because then you know, that you receive the information and you're relaying back to the guy that gave you the information that I receive and I understand, yeah, you know? Cool. So um, that's one of the things that I like seeing on a commercial job that like we don't that. do. Mm-hmm. And uh, another thing now too is uh, on the commercial world, you've probably seen this as well. Uh, some of the smaller inland jobs, you've got a standby sure. diver, but that standby diver is operating oh, yeah. for, he's doing something <laughs> else, you know, he's, some, you know, somewhere doing something that he's not supposed to yeah. be doing, you know, but, uh, in the Navy, it's not like that. They're just yeah. sitting there ready to go seated gear. Yeah, you're, flipped, and you're jocked up. Jumping. Maybe you got a, your piss bottle next to you in case nature calls while you're sitting there. But yeah, you don't, you don't even stand up. You're just waiting around. So let's talk real quick about your transition. Um, what's some of the stuff that you had to learn right away? How did, I mean, did, did you say that, Hey, I'm going to be a commercial diver after no. I get out because you're uh-huh. approaching your end date of your service and what's going on. So I was, uh, I got out of active duty when I was in Connecticut. And as I mentioned, I'm from, you know, suburban Illinois, uh, Chicago suburbs. So I got out and I moved back to Illinois and my plan was to go back to college, get a degree, you know, hopefully in healthcare. I was, I was thinking about nursing. Um, the unit I was with in Connecticut had a, a huge, well, besides the training facility, we were also a recompression facility. Um, so we did a lot of treatments, um, a lot of training with our, our recompression chamber. So that was, that was sort of my, the niche I was going for. Um, I started taking classes at, at the local university and I was like, man, I, you know, I'm, 27 years old. I'm with, you know, there's these 18 year old kids, you know, I was in charge of what, you know, however much money worth of equipment and doing things that, that would blow people's mind. In my opinion, um, I just was, I, I couldn't, I liked the material that I was learning, but the environment, the going back to a classroom environment, I mean, God bless those people that go back to school because it is tough. Plus working a full-time job. I mean, it was, it was hard. So that's when I made a couple calls. Um, and that's one thing the Navy's done for me that I continue to see is the networking opportunities that I had. Made a couple phone calls and got an interview out at the shipyard in Washington to be a diver. So then I moved out there and I dove there for about a year. Um, and I learned very quickly that it that particular part of the country is so expensive to live. Uh, I just couldn't afford it. I mean, even with diving. You know, mm-hmm. it's not union work out there. When you're working for the Department of Defense, you're making, you know, $22 an hour. And it's, yeah. it, 
Yeah, it's all service contract stuff. I've done. Yeah, that it's before. it's really tough to to make it on that. Um, so then I moved back to Illinois after a year out there. Thought I'd give give college another go. And um, about three months into the semester, I just I was sitting in class and I got on my laptop and I hopped on you know Indeed and I just typed in commercial diving Illinois and um, this company popped up. So I, I attached my resume and a cover letter to an, just an email to their, their, um, their local, uh, their regional dive supervisor or, or um, superintendent. And I sent it off to him. And lo and behold, he was a former Navy chief. And um, he knew some of the people I knew. And, you know, we, he called me a couple of days later and we chatted for about an hour and a half on the phone. And he goes, so when can you start? Oh, that's <laughs> so, cool. Yeah, that was my, that was my transition. You know, that I, I, I love diving. I love the kind of work that I do, but I, I never really considered the fact that I could make it lucrative or, or make a living off of it, you know, outside of what I knew, which was Navy mm-hmm. diving. But I mean, it's been, it's been, uh, I've learned a lot. It's been a, a really cool, cool, uh, about a year and a half I've been working for this company now and, and I've got to do some pretty cool things that I, I wouldn't have thought I would have been able to do. Nice. So you, you jump in, um, you kind of have to have that mindset where you're going to be a sponge and soak everything up. Right. I, oh yeah. I mean, there was a, lo- a big learning curve. I'm sure. Can, can you talk about that learning curve? Yeah. Um, I touched on it a little bit with, you know, in the Navy, you, you don't do anything until somebody tells you to do it. And there are, you know, check after check after check. And, and again, not the, not that one side is safer than another or, or any, or any, you know, there's no complacency or anything like that, that I've seen, you know, blatantly, but, um, there's just different standards, you know, you've got exactly, standard yeah, and you yeah. know, Navy standards, right. You know, you're, you're on a site somewhere and the, the dive station is set up in a trailer, you know, 50 feet to, to one side and the river you're diving in is, 50 feet to the other side and you have to go down a cliff and like around a corner. And I mean, and it's just you and a couple other guys out there. So yeah, you get dressed out and the supervisor says, all right, man, go ahead, hop in. So you're, you know, repelling down this cliff and you put your hat on by yourself. And, um, that was, that was something I had to get used to, you know, the verbiage was something I had to get used to, uh, in the Navy, when you say Roger or Roger that it's kind of like screw you or F you. You know, like, okay, I get it. I'm sick of what you're saying, you know? Um, so that was something I had to get used to was saying that and like not meaning it offensively. Um, but other than that, it's just a lot of work that I'm, I wasn't used to doing. Like I've, I've never poured concrete before, um, let alone underwater. So, you know, like you mentioned, being honest with the guys you're working with, being straight up with your supervisor, telling them, Hey man, I've never done this before. Or I've only done it, you know, I, I welded once when I was in school. Can you give me a rundown? You know, that I think that went a long way, sort of showing them that I didn't I didn't necessarily have the knowledge readily, but but I was willing to learn. And, you know, I, I and I kind of showed, you know, through some of the some of the earlier jobs I was on that um, I could handle those things and, and was able to pick up on them fairly quickly. Yeah, that's awesome, man. No, it it sure does go a long way, you know. And you do get a lot of respect from from the the guys on your crew too when you're honest and upfront with them, you know. Um, 
a lot of times what we don't want to hear is your whole diving life story about, you know, what you did, this and that, and this and that, you know, because sometimes we get that too with some of the Navy divers that come on, you know, they they're like, yeah, I was a Navy diver and, you know, stationed at this and did this and that right. and did this. And then they keep going on. Then, you know, I'm just saying it gives off a weird vibe and, and weird attitude. We're not trying to one up each other and stuff. Yeah. Like that, you know? Yeah. And one big thing I learned was, you know, like in the Navy, you're nine times out of 10, you've got, all your tools readily available. Sometimes there's a machine shop a hundred yards away that can make you a new tool. If you lose or drop or break one. I mean, in the commercial industry, you're out sometimes literally in the middle of a cornfield that a train bridge just happens to be running through and you're repairing this, or, you know, you're, you're out somewhere in some small town, middle of Iowa. And there's there, you know, there's no home Depot down the street that you can run to. So um, you know, the creativity that I've, I've picked up on and some of the innovative techniques that I've learned have, I mean, they've saved the day more than once, you know, and I just kind of sit back and, and I kind of learn from these other guys that have been doing it for, you know, 10, 15 years, they've got these, these little tricks and tips in their back pocket. And, and the, I'm really fortunate the company that I work for. I mean, I I've, there's, there's certain guys that I prefer to work with than others. Sure. But you know, nobody's a jerk. Nobody's, nobody's rude. Um, everybody wants to help everybody, you know, learn, get the knowledge, get the job done the right way. Um, you know, looks good on us. looks good on the company, the customer's happy, you know? So I I've been really fortunate that, that I work with guys who are, you know, they don't kind of guard their, their secrets and, you know, want to be the only guy on the, on the job who knows how to do something. They want everybody to be a productive member of the crew. Um, so that's been, that's been huge in my opinion. That's cool, man. It sounds like you're in a great spot, you know, to be able to learn, suck everything up, you know? And, uh, so yeah, you didn't intend to be a commercial diver, you know, you kind of just kind of just fell into it, I guess. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I start, and in fact, I never even, I'd never like scuba dove on vacation or, or anything like that prior to going to, to dive school in the Navy. Um, and I, I've always been comfortable and, and enjoyed being in the water. And it was just something, you know, kind of, kind of clicked like, Hey, I can, I could do this for a long time. And then when I got out and, and realized how much I actually missed doing the work, um, it's the wheel started turning like, Hey, maybe this is something I could, I could lucratively do, you know, and, and then thankfully, you know, my, the company I work for has an office, you know, 30 minutes away from my house. And and the majority of the work that my company does is I'd say within three hours of my house. So I'm fortunate in that aspect too. I don't have to travel super far all the time. There are times where I do, but, but it's fairly local work. That's, that's what you want. You know, you definitely want that yeah. local work to have that, that, you know, private life, social life, you know? So, um, I know when I was working in Florida, uh, a lot of it was local, but you know, it was that two week job that I had to stay four hours away from home, but you had to stay there and that always sucked, you know? So yeah, at least you get to, at least you get to be home a little bit more, you know, and all that. Yeah. It's the time of the season now where it's, we're kind of, we're picking up all the, all the crumbs from the year. So like actually tomorrow I got to drive to Branson, Missouri for like three days, I'll be down there. It's an eight hour drive. And then next week I got to drive eight hours up into Northern Minnesota for two or three days there. So oh, it's wow. a lot of, a lot of these little scrap jobs, 
they kind of save the big, you know, like the big army Corps projects and these, mm-hmm. these big, you know, month, multi-month projects for the summertime when it, at least it's not negative 20 degrees out and snow blowing in your face. Yeah. I've had some pretty crazy weather lately. Yeah. What's a, okay. So funny story. I, I, I did a job in a Guantanamo. So I was out in Guantanamo for a couple of weeks, you know, working for NAFAC. Yeah, uh, it was doing all their bridge inspections, which was really cool. That was a cool job because it was like right after they ended up shutting down the uh, terrorist prisons there. Okay. So they had two weeks before we got there, there was like news crews all over the place. So they were used to outsiders, you know, and uh, it was so cool because we were driving through everything. Then you see that gate right there, you know, that's in the border of Guantanamo stuff. Mm-hmm. Did Did you ever get a chance to get out there? I never went there. One of my really good friends did three years out there though. And he was, I mean, he raved about it. He said it was, it was one of the coolest places he'd gotten to go. So it was pretty cool. So we, we, we did a, we were doing bridge inspections out there and um, it, it, it was pretty neat. Cause a lot of the bridges, they had these little pockets to put like, you know, charges in there to blow the bridges. Oh, up. Okay. So then, then it had instructions on how to, to blow up the bridge. Yeah. On yeah. The bridge abutment. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. And then uh, they had that minefield uh, between the U.S. space and Cuba. Sure. And they were telling us, yeah, we didn't put those mines there. That was the Cubans that put those mines there to keep the Cubans from running to the American base, you know. Yeah. So you learn a, cool, a bunch of cool stories. And uh, they have like little restaurants and stuff there, you know, because, the you know, the guys they have to stay on the base. Sure. So uh, we ended up doing this one bridge and we got support from the Navy dive unit that was stationed there. So okay. real cool it? guys, real loosey goosey, you know, yeah. the, it felt like a vacation. Yeah. That's one thing I do miss is, I mean, you'd roll out onto the, onto the job site and you're wearing like flip flops, shorts, a t-shirt. I mean, it was <laughs> pretty relaxed in, in that aspect. And then the actual diving was super strict and it's kind of flip flop. Now, you know, you got, you have your ANSI approved safety glasses on and you're, you know, not too many stickers on your hard hat. So they ended up taking us out in their boats. So we got to, you know, cruise out in their boats and stuff like that, you know. So they had the radio going and everything. It was a good time. Um, one of my buddies, the engineer on the job, he ended up asking one of the divers, hey, man, how do I get one of those shirts? <laughs> as soon as he said that, I turned to him and I just kind of was like, just shook my head and looked down. <laughs> Can you tell us how? To get one of those blue and golds? I can, yeah. So in the Navy diving community, the Navy... So I'll tell you a little backstory on on the shirt itself. All right, cool. So the Navy's super strict on everything. When a diver comes out of the water, there is a 10-minute clean time. And the theory is that if a diver goes unconscious or experiences any kind of neurological symptom in that 10-minute time, um, you, you... or I'll say it this way. If it, if he experiences any issue outside of that 10 minute time, then you can rule out an AGE because AGE's typical onset is within 10 minutes of surfacing. So diver comes up and you're considered a dirty diver until that 10 minutes is up and you're a clean diver. So back in the day, they would wear these two sided shirts, these reversible shirts. One side was gold and one side was blue. And when you were a dirty diver, you'd wear one color. And when you were a clean diver, you'd wear the other color. So they could easily identify, you know, your status. So over the years, 
diver dive lockers or, or commands. Uh, every class that goes through school, um, every unit you show up to, they have their own blue and gold uh, shirt, navy blue shirt with gold lettering and graphics. And and some of them are are you know kind of off color, and they've got inside jokes for the unit and this and that. Um, but there's only two ways you can earn the right to wear one of those blue and gold shirts. And the first way is graduating Navy dive school. So if you, if you make it successfully through Navy dive school, you can wear a shirt. The other way is sleeping with a diver. You earn the right to wear that shirt. <laughs> so there's actually a blue and gold out there that says that's one of the two ways to earn a blue and gold. How'd you get yours? That's great. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, you, you, you could tell that I was a little bit mortified because we were there with the whole, you know, unit that was there helping us. <laughs> they didn't start laughing. They were kind of like looking at each other like this, this mother effer, you know? Yeah. He doesn't know. <laughs> this guy wants to sleep with me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was cool, man. It was a fun job, you know? And uh, we ended up uh, after the, after that day, we end up drinking at the Irish pub that they had, you know, right there in Guantanamo. So it was, sure, yeah. it was pretty cool. It was a blast. You know, it was, it was definitely a lot of fun. Definitely one of, uh, one of my more memorable, uh, dive jobs in my career, you know, but yeah, yeah a lot of those, a lot of those places like, uh, Guantanamo, um, there's a, there's a tiny little Island in the middle of the Indian ocean called Diego Garcia. Uh, some of the overseas commands like Rota, Spain, uh, some of the Japanese commands you can go to, um, you know, in, in the case like Guantanamo Bay, you can't leave base. Uh, and in a lot of those other places, you know, you, you don't really know anybody. You, all you know is the guys you work with. So those are the kinds of places where you really see that tight knit community come together. You know, you, you work with the guys, you know, most of the time, these guys are roommates together and they're going out and, you know, exploring the area or going out and partying or whatever. So it's, it, it's a really tight knit community. And I still stay in touch with, you know, the majority of, of the guys that I, that I worked with and went to school with to this day. The Navy dive school is in Panama city, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's Panama city, Florida. Um, can, can you kind of describe the, the town there? Like, you know, what's the vibe of that city? Is it a, is it a military town like Norfolk or, or some no, other? It's, it's not, no, it's not like, like, like you're imagining like Norfolk or Bremerton, Washington, it's a, uh, it's a tourist town. And uh, the base is kind of set back from, from, you know, where all the, all the action is. Um, it's a tourist town. So you can get into a lot of trouble in a tourist town. You got any, uh, yeah. got any stories about dive school? Yeah. Well, if you remember back several years ago, uh, MTV used to do their, their spring break in Panama city beach. So they would have like, I mean, actually one of the largest nightclubs in the world is in Panama city beach, Florida. So from like the end of February through the end of April, you've got thousands and thousands of drunk college kids just invading this small community and like just wrecking havoc. So I was there from January to, or yeah, January to the end of May. And, um, at first, you know, all the instructors tell you, you know, play it safe. Don't go out. Don't lose your mind. You're here to learn. You're here to, you know, become divers. Don't get into trouble. But, you know, 20 something year old kids, we're going to check it out. So we go down to the beach <laughs> and from the edge of the water, all the way up the beach to these nightclubs, which are on the beach, 
it's just shoulder to shoulder drunk college kids. And it's like, it's, there's huge stages built. They, they build zip lines on the beach. I don't know what it's like these days, but when I was there, it, it was a nonstop party for like two months straight. It was crazy. And, um, well, these days it's all masked up. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was like no rules. It was like, it was wild. It was, and, and at first it was, you know, it was pretty cool. We went from being in boot camp and locked away on this base in, in Chicago in wintertime where, you know, it was extremely regulated what we could do, even what we could wear. And now all of a sudden we're in Panama city beach and there's people everywhere. I mean, no rules. It was crazy. Um, and at first it was really cool. You know, it was awesome. We're like, wow, this is, this is nuts. But then after about a week and a half, you try to go to Walmart or the local grocery store and you're like, man, I just want to get laundry detergent or cereal or, you know, some snacks. And you can't because 24 seven, it's shoulder to shoulder college kids drunk, buying out all the beer. And, and it was, it was mad. But my favorite story from Panama city beach we were, um, it's like I said, it's a small town. Um, the base is kind of set back from the, from the community. It's not, not right in the middle of everything, but, but if you're a, if you're a diver in the military, besides the seals, I'm pretty sure they go to their own dive training in Coronado. But, but from, from my memory, every other branches divers go through their training in Panama city beach at that facility. Um, the community is a lot of the older, you know, residents in the community um, go back there because that, you know, they, they kind of learned about it or, or, or were there to, you know, through diving. So there's the police are old divers, you know, every, every restaurant and bar in the area knows all the divers, knows all the instructors. So anyway, um, I, it was, it was right in the middle of spring break. And one of my instructors comes into class and says, Hey, what are you guys doing on Friday night? And of course, you know, the answer was nothing. We're going to be studying. So he's like, all right, my wife's involved with this community, um, this community group. We're having a big fundraiser. I need you guys to dress up in your uniforms and sort of be um, like servers for this dinner event that we're putting on, you know? <laughs> so That sounds like yeah, a great so, Friday night. Uh, okay, sure. <laughs> So we go and, um, you know, they had an open bar, they had great food and everything. And, and so we're serving these, these community members, whatever. So dinner's over and they have this cocktail hour and they're mingling and stuff and, and hanging out. And, uh, we go up to our instructor and we said, Hey, you know, do we, do you mind if we kind of hang out? And he goes, no, I don't care. You know, he'd been drinking by this time. He's like, I don't care. You know, as long as you guys aren't driving, you know, help yourself, you know, have fun and enjoy the night. So we're thinking, all right, cool. Open bar. So we're hanging out. We're all, you know, enjoying the open bar. We're talking to all these people. The end of the night rolls around. And um, this guy comes up to our, our, our group and he asks us how we're getting back to base. And we said, oh, we're just going to call a cab. You know, no big deal. And he goes, well, if you can wait, you know, about 10 minutes, let me clean my work, my work vehicle out and uh, I'll give you guys a ride back to base. We said, yeah, sure. That's, that's good. That's no problem. So he, he goes out, he comes back. And, um, we had acquired a bottle of rum at some point in the night. So we had that and he's like, all right, yeah, come, come with me right over to this car. So he walks us over and, uh, it's a Bay County police or Bay County Sheriff squad car. And there's like six of us. And he's like, the only thing is you can't ride in the front seat. That's against the rules. 
<laughs> so he piles six sailors into the back of his squad car. We're riding around back there. It's got bars on the windows and everything. And yeah. uh, I mean, like a car. Yeah, car, like right? a car. We're not talking like, like an SUV with two benches. No, like, like, like a squad car that would pull you over. <laughs> we're riding around back there. He's like, you got, we're, we're asking him, Hey, you mind if we drink back here? He's like, no, I don't care. I'm sheriff of Bend County. Do whatever you want. Yeah, you know, I, I'm the law. Like, okay. So we got, there's pictures of us back there. So anyway, we roll up to the gate at base and the gate guard sees, you know, sheriff car, six sailors in the back. And he goes, uh, is everything okay tonight, sheriff? He goes, Oh yeah, yeah. Everything's fine. I'm just dropping these sailors off. He goes, do you want me to call their instructor? You know, is there a problem? We need to talk about anything. He goes, Oh no, no, they're good. I'm just giving them a ride back. You know, just, just helping them out. Okay. <laughs> so this, you know, sheriff pulls through, takes us to the barracks. So Monday morning, you know, the, the instructors always ask you, you know, did anybody get in trouble over the weekend? Is there anything we need to know about? Did anybody end up in prison? You know, tell us now. So it'll, it'll make it a lot easier on yourself. So one of the guys raises his hand and he's like, yeah, you know, we, we, uh, after that event on Friday night, we, um, we ended up in the back of a squad car and you just saw the color <laughs> from his face. He, he went from like, you know, kind of like joking around. And then he remembered he, he was the one who told us to stay there and enjoy ourselves. And he's like, Oh no, what did I do? And uh, he's like, what, what do you mean? You, you broke back in a squad car. And, and he's like, yeah, you know, they, they took our picture and everything. And he's thinking like mug shots and stuff. And this kid gets up and he's like, do you want to see the picture instructor? And he's like, yeah, of course I want to see it. So he shows him. And it's the six of us, our faces all smashed into this barred window. And we got a captain, a bottle of captain Morgan, somebody's arms through the bars and they're drinking it out the window of this squad car <laughs> and the sheriff's in the background, giving him the thumbs up. Thumbs up. And he just, he, he saw the relief wash oh. over him and he's like, Oh my God, I thought we were all about to get kicked out of the Navy. You guys gave me the biggest heart attack ever. That's probably my favorite story from, from uh, Panama city, but it's, it's a wild place, man. I don't know how it is these days, but it, it got pretty rowdy down there. Right on. So, one last uh, quick thing for you. Um, have you got like any advice for any, you know, Navy divers that are looking for, you know, a job in the commercial business or, or, or any people that are trying to, you know, go from commercial to get into to the uh, military? Absolutely. Um, if you're thinking of going from commercial to military, um, you're going to have to relearn a completely different way of diving. Um, and you have to, be open to that. And, uh, you know, no matter what you've done, what, you know, no matter what kind of jobs you've been on or how long you've been in the industry, uh, it's from what I have seen, it would be a very humbling experience to, to have to, you know, check yourself a little bit and, and sort of, you know, relinquish your knowledge to, to the Navy way of doing things. It's, it's, uh, you know, we like to say same, same, but different. You know, it's, you're doing the same thing, but, but it's a whole new method. Um, and then as far as Navy guys who are looking to get into the commercial industry, um, I have been extremely fortunate, you know, from with the, the guys I work with and the company I work for, um, the type of work that I've gotten to do, you know, I've heard of guys, their first job is diving on, you know, potable water tanks. And, and I've, I've kind of had to learn that that's sort of the inside joke of the community is those guys are, (laughs) you know, that's, that's a garbage job. But, um, the, the, the community I work with now, 
Um, the type of work I do, I've been extremely fortunate. So my advice to guys in the not garbage, very specialized. Yeah. Yeah. My advice to those guys would be, you know, if, if you love diving and that's something you want to do as a career, similar to the, to, you know, going the other way, you really have to humble yourself because you're, you're about to enter a community that again, is the same, same, but different, you know, you're going to be diving fine, but you know, there's different verbiage that they don't teach you in Navy dive school. That is just, that's day one stuff in the commercial world. You know, there's, there's different methods of doing things. There's different tricks and tips. Um, you have to be okay with being the low man on the totem pole. And like you mentioned, being that sponge, you know, soaking up all the information you can keep your head down, keep your mouth shut and just, you know, let your, let your actions speak for you. You know, nobody cares where you were stationed. Nobody cares how deep you dove. Nobody cares what ships you got to dive on or where you got to deploy to, you know, if, if you can't go down in zero viz and, you know, cut a perfect hole in something, you're worthless. You know what I mean? It's, it's, you need to let your actions, um, show who you are, show what your worth is. That would be my biggest piece of advice. Um, but at the same time, it's super lucrative. It's super fun. Uh, it's a very similar sort of community to the Navy side of things. You know, you're, um, at least in my experience, you know, you're hanging out with, with guys who are fairly like-minded, you know, it's a similar personality type that draws individuals into the community and in this line of work. Um, you don't have to wear a suit and tie. You get to wear boots and a hard hat and your favorite ratty t-shirt. So who doesn't love that? Right. And you get to be on the water. Yeah. I mean, dude, this is amazing. I'm glad you were able to come on and help us to understand exactly kind of the world of the Navy diver, you know, and also going from military to, to civilian commercial work. And, uh, you, you know, it kind of goes both ways too, you know, that's why this is kind of important talking with you because now any other commercial guys that are listening to this, then they can kind of see where, you know, a lot of these neighbor divers are coming from that are trying to break into the business. And yeah. that's the thing, you know, they're trying to break into, you know, a lot of these guys aren't doing it, you know, or, or I wouldn't say not doing it, but uh, a lot of these guys aren't, uh, they, they might give off a vibe of superiority, but it's not really what that is, is it? Well, that's, yeah, that's one of the biggest things. I mean, I, I can't speak for all branches of military, but you know, my experience in, in the Navy and diving community, I mean, you know, it's, it's that, I don't want to say macho or, or arrogant, but you know, that they, they train you to the, to be the best, you know, and in, and in the line of work that they do, the Navy diver is the epitome of that sort of work. You know, you know, they don't train Navy divers to pump concrete zero viz in, you know, 32 degree water on the Mississippi. That's just not their line of work, but what they do, you know, they train divers um, to be the best at what they do. And, and I think a lot of times that, that gets ingrained in the, in the, the mind of the young, you know, moldable Navy diver that, well, you know, I'm a Navy diver, I'm the best there can be. And, um, you know, they step out into, into a different sort of industry, like the construction world. And it's, uh, it's a, a tough pill to swallow that, you know, you're being told you're the best of the best and, you know, your ego is getting stroked and, and suddenly, you know, you're, you're a tender, you know, you got to start from the ground up. You got to, you got to prove yourself. So 
so you kind of are bred that way then with that little air of superiority because I mean, it, huh, so that's something that, you know, that's part of your advice is you got to break out of that. Yeah. Well, I, I think you got to be, you got to be self-aware enough to know that you're not, you know, yeah, you're getting some great training. You get some awesome opportunities. Um, but I think that you need to be self-aware enough to remember that you're always learning. There's you, there's always something to learn from, from everybody on every crew you're ever going to be on, whether it's, you know, the new guy right out of school, maybe he learned something at school that you didn't know about, or, you know, it's the, the 30 year offshore vet who, you know, comes in and, and he's just, you know, this huge wealth of knowledge, you know, it doesn't matter what you've done. There's always something you can learn from, from somebody. And, um, I think a lot of times just, just keeping that in mind, I mean, that's gonna, that's gonna help you a lot, but, but yeah, the, the Navy does, um, they, they, they pump you up. I mean, that's the whole idea of it. You know, you get pumped up to go do cool guy stuff and, you know, a real man work, you know, out salvaging, you know, F-16s or, you know, raising up a ship from, you know, the civil war era or whatever it may be. It's that it's, you know, that psychological psych up of, yeah, you're the best. You're going to get out there and you're going to serve your country and, and, you know, accelerate your life. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you get into the commercial world and, and like I've been saying, it's, it's sort of a, a sort of a, a check to the ego that, you know, you don't know everything and, and you need to, you need to keep that in mind. If, if the, the commercial diving world is something that you plan on pursuing, you know, mm-hmm. keep your head down, keep your mouth shut, let your actions speak for yourself. And if it's not something that, uh, that you want to do, then you'll find out real quick. You ain't going to be working. Yeah, absolutely. Right on, man. Well, thanks a lot for, uh, for coming on and kind of shedding some light, you know, kind of yes. not so much setting the record straight it's just kind of letting <laughs> everybody know, you know, where everyone's coming from, because you kind of do have to understand, you know, where everyone's coming from and, you know, got to understand what you went through. Yeah. You know, because Nelson, you, you did go through, you know, quite a bit to get to where you're at. You know, a lot of people, uh, like I said before, dude, you got people that are just paying the money and they're going to pass you no matter what, but Navy sure. dive school, you've got to, you got to really put something into it to get through it. You know? Yeah. It seems to me like on the commercial side of things, the guys that don't really want to be there, they'll wash out at, you know, within the first year of, of being in the industry on the Navy side of things, the guys that don't really want to be there, they're weeded out before the process even starts really. Mm-hmm. So you've got, you know, kind of two sides of the coin with that. But yeah, dude. So, um, yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot for coming on Nelson. And, uh, yeah. I wish you the best and, uh, yeah. really, really wish you a great, you know, career. Thank you, man. Do you mind if I plug something real quick? Yes. Go right ahead. So, um, I got a buddy I know through the Navy and you may have heard of him, you know, listeners might, might know him. Um, his name's Tommy McConnell. He runs 15 Fathoms, uh, mm-hmm. diver clothing company. Um, some of it's pretty Navy centered, but, but a lot of it, you know, I've turned a lot of guys onto it that I work with. Uh, they got some really cool hats and shirts and stuff. And I know, I know being in the Midwest, you know, you see somebody walking down the street with a dive shirt on you immediately are like, wait a minute, are you a diver too? So anyway, 15 Fathoms, um, it's got some pretty cool gear. Check it out. Yeah, they sure do. And we definitely are big fans of 15 Fathoms. And yeah, right so, on. Great plug. And uh, thanks a lot again for popping on. And uh, this is LB Diver with the Bottom Dwellers Dive Shack, Nelson Welker, uh, Navy Diver, now a commercial diver, and kicking ass and taking names. <laughs>